0: If you don't subscribe to our Women's Performance Newsletter, you are definitely missing out. It's totally free. So head over to womensperformance.com and subscribe now. That's womensperformance.com. This podcast is a production of Feisty Media. Hey, Feisties. Today we are taking on a topic so close to my heart, how you combine strength training with endurance or aerobic training. I know there's a lot of misinformation out there about aerobic training making you weaker or strength training affecting your endurance, so I wanted to bring on the one woman who I consider to be an absolute expert on this topic, Marilyn Chakota. Marilyn helped me personally in a critical year when I almost quit triathlon, but instead ended up winning two Ironmans. She was able to identify my literal weakness and use strength training to help me improve on the bike enough to go from podium to winner. Marilyn is also an incredible athlete herself. Honestly, her resume kind of blows me away. I don't know anyone who's been a state champion in both endurance events. And powerlifting, like Marilyn has. She's an Ironman winner, state champion in cycling, powerlifting, as I mentioned, and also um, a competitive Crossfitter. She has really left no stone unturned when it comes to athletic achievements. As you will hear, Marilyn knows her shit when it comes to strength training and how to create programming suited to every individual athlete's needs. Marilyn and I talk about how to fit strength training into your endurance training and how to build your strength training program around your fitness and life goals as we age. Anyone who wants to be strong, this episode is for you. Marilyn, hi. I am so excited for you to be on the podcast today.
1: Hey, Sarah. It's super awesome to be here. I love doing this stuff with you. We've known each other forever. I know. I love just projects with you, brainstorming with you. We always have the most like creative conversations and I'm very, very excited to be here.
0: Yeah, I wanted you specifically to be on the podcast because this topic that I want to cover around like combining essentially combining strength training with endurance training I can't think of literally anyone even and like I follow lots of people on Instagram now in this kind of space I can't think of anyone who knows more about this than you do so I'm very excited to um dive into that but first let's talk about your background a little bit um of course I know you although I can't I don't know if I know if I'm even gonna remember all the details I mean I feel like you've been an elite athlete in like 12 different sports, like from equestrian, triathlon, cycling, and also coached a lot of different sports, um, including um, lifting as well. So why don't you tell us um, a little bit about your sports background?
1: Uh, Thanks, Sarah. I'm super honored to be here and to have someone like you say that it's just, you know, it's a, it's a privilege for sure. So I appreciate that. And um, it is a, it is a area that I'm really passionate about. So I'm excited to to be in this conversation with everyone hopefully gives people some good knowledge to take away my background. Yeah. I've been in sports since I was nine and I'm almost 46. So it's a lifetime for sure. And elite sports, you know, from, I started competing at a a pretty high level of the from, 10 years old till I was 26, uh, ran a little bit of track and field through that time, did a little gymnastics, all the normal little kid things. Oh, but... I forgot about those ones. Yeah, yeah.
0: yeah. those are just, just normal. Little kids. gymnastics thrown in there,
1: yeah. <laughs> those are <laughs> They helped me later on with the with the weightlifting. I didn't know that that would come in handy, but um, yeah, was very competitive in equestrian show jumping, had a career in that with training horses and riders, had a competitive stable 30 horses and riders, so really started my coaching career in in that arena in that whole field and then transitioned into bike racing and triathlon. Those two were, um, they ran together, you know, those, that, those two careers I did, I alternated seasons between, wow. I'm, I love this combining, you know, I've sort of been one of those yeah. people who combines all the different sports and, and love that experimenting. You know, everyone always said, you can't be a, a road racer and a triathlete. And those two worlds just knocked you know, locked horns and knocked heads all the time, and and I was that one that I fit into both. I could race a criterium, and then I could race an Ironman, and so I loved doing the the National Road Calendar, the Women's World Cups, uh, some pretty big stage races on the pro women um, road racing circuit. But then made a career racing Ironmans and half Ironmans, and and traveling the world, balancing those out, and that was. Essentially from 1999 till 2012, so a very long time, Mm -hmm. and then retired from that and got into CrossFit, uh, fell in love with Olympic lifting, competed Mm -hmm. in Olympic lifting, went to Masters World Cup in Olympic lifting, competed on a state level um then from there got interested in powerlifting i love the powerlifting scene and we can explain to people the difference between those if we want to you can look those up they are different sports just like cycling and triathlon are different sports so mm-hmm. there's the strength world and the endurance world and they are different it's good to know and educate yourself which is also different than bodybuilding and strongman so we <laughs> start with an education piece here it's important to know your know your stuff and um so I love the powerlifting and competed in that, won a state championship in that, and and love that and what what that brought to my life and my world. Missed the endurance world and came back to it and came back to uh, cycling, a little bit of triathlon, mostly cycling, and continue to lift weights a little bit. And obviously been a full time coach in the endurance space since two thousand and one worked with endurance corner for 12 years, a fantastic group that, that helped me through, you know, putting my career together and, um, you know, really worked tightly with that group for 12 years. And then they encouraged me to open my own business and did that and have been with, you know, my own business. You can find everything with me on my site, mcc.coach for gosh, how many years has it been now? Quite a while.
0: Been a while.
1: Been a while. And um, you know, without their encouragement and knowledge and support, I I don't know that I would have been able to to do that. So I'm always eternally grateful and and um yeah, just love being basically a lifetime athlete and a lifetime coach. So mm-hmm. lots of different experiences to to hopefully share with people.
0: Yeah, and like just so that people understand like the magnitude of what you just said, like actually like someone who can win. Like a road race or like an Ironman triathlon is like not the same person who wins an Olympic lifting or powerlifting <laughs> event, typically, right? Like I can remember actually going to watch you at an Olympic lifting event. You remember? Yeah. Um, mm-hmm. it, was the first one I, it was the very first one I ever did. Oh yeah. Oh cool. Yeah. Um. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and I remember like I remember appreciating how fast you had to be versus like, you know, what we would do is like crank out cycling miles, like endlessly together. Um, how fast you had to be under the bar and how strong, like I kind of saw that and knew that. But like now that I do little lifting myself because of CrossFit, I'm like, holy shit, she was strong. <laughs> like I still don't remember, you know what I mean? Like I remember some of the weights you, and I didn't appreciate, what I didn't appreciate was like actually some of the weights that you were lifting because I'd never tried it. Right, they're right, right. so yeah. now like, oh man, like I cross. I've been doing CrossFit for like five years, and I still come nowhere near the things that you were doing. Like, you know,
1: um, so
0: like, you know, you what's, what's so great about what you just
1: said is, as we go through this conversation, there are such specific details for different athletes and why that happens. You mm. know, and, you know, from where we come from, from you know how we're how we're born and built and all those things it is you just really that was like a nice little like nugget for people to tune their ear into of how that piece why why you know two, you want an iron man i want an iron man you're an incredible runner you know i was um a strong cyclist you know, the, why, why, when we later in life, both try lifting, we're so drastically different. And, and I'm not so I mean, drastically different, I mean, yeah, maybe not you drastically, to, but you're you saying to, like, you know, no, it's there's a the difference it's in like true. why you're yeah, or an appreciation. Okay. That was, you're really, you know, different at that than what I've been able, you know, and why those differences. I mean, that's, that's a part of this whole conversation. And I think mm-hmm. what we're going to be able to maybe give some people some new insight on and, and when they're looking at themselves and they're trying to plan what they're doing, are we going to be able to help them? So we're actually two really great, uh, examples or what do you call it? Not Guinea pigs, but like, you know, yeah, we
0: are yeah, yeah. We definitely <laughs> on, on that. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, for sure. Um, and you also have coached, like, I know you talked about your coaching background before, but you've also coached on the lifting side too. Am I right?
1: Yeah, I do. So I'm certified as a Olympic lifting coach as well and do, you know, a lot of strength training for athletes in my, even in my endurance programming for all my endurance athletes, I do all their strength programming for them, but very specifically for Olympic lifting, I am a certified coach in that and have coached. Mm -hmm people for Olympic lifting. Even this, this whole past year, I was volunteer coaching for a small group who were starting from scratch. They'd never lifted at all. They just showed up in their sweatpants and a pair of sneakers and they wanted to learn to Olympic lift. And I taught them Mm -hmm. right from scratch with the PVC pipe Mm -hmm. uh, technique. And we just started from the ground up and got them all the way up to, these were male athletes. So we got them within the first eight weeks, I got them up to snatching 135 pounds from the bar. Yeah. So, you know, they really, they they they, they were younger, they were in their twenties and could move really well and they were strength, you know, came from strength background. So their progress was really quick, but yeah, you know, teaching people and coaching people and programming for people in that specific sport versus, you know, cycling versus triathlon versus running, uh, you know, power lifting, the, the programming for that is completely different and the coaching as well. So yeah, mm-hmm. it's
0: a good experience there as well. Yeah, for sure. So I want to like, let's unpack some myths, right? Because I think, you know, like I spent some time in the like performance quote unquote women's performance space online. Right. And, you know, you have a lot of people saying that like cardio hurts your st- cardio. Sorry. I'm going to say that word. Like, we you know what I mean, like the endurance training is going to hurt your um, strength or vice versa—that like strength training is going to hurt your endurance training. Like, how much is that true, and how much is it not true?
1: Well, like all of these really complicated questions, it and and you're going to maybe hate the beginning of this answer, but it it starts with it depends, right. right? And so the first question I would ask someone is specifically what are their goals and what is it they're trying to accomplish, right? And so if someone comes to you and they want to be a power lifter. And they want to go to a world championship or a state competition, or they want to be a competitive power lifter, then we need to really look at like, okay, is, is their programming and are their day-to-day actions in line with those goals? And the same thing will go for, on the endurance side, it's a lot more complicated because strength training for endurance athletes can play it can and mostly does for most athletes play a really important role for their success and we're going to dive into a lot of you know not for everybody right there are athletes out there that strength training is not the you know we'll even we'll break down what strength training means there's sport specific strength training and then there's in the gym strength training and then there's injury prevention and prehab type strength training. So there's lots of different ways to tackle all this, but for endurance athletes. So that's a a lot more complex question on the flip side. If you're talking about someone who wants to be a competitive Olympic lifter, a competitive uh, power lifter then is doing any kind of activity that is geared away from the strength arena, going to help their sport. That's a little bit more black and white that not for most of them, the answer is going to be no. Um, Mm -hmm you know, there is the odd athlete if they're uh, in weightlifting and powerlifting, those sports are done in weight classes. And some of them in the real lightweight divisions, they need to do a little bit of cardio for and can do that we call it cardio, maybe they're doing some some kind of supplementary training for that. But if you're getting into the bulk of the weight classes and super, especially super heavyweight type uh, weight classes in those divisions, then they're not going to be doing any additional training outside of the strength sport. So their focus is primarily on maximizing their strength sport and what it's going to take. They might do other supplementary things to increase their strength, but it's all going to be based in the strength arena. Right. And so when we're talking about these different things, it's important that we're defining, are you looking at strength training as part of your overall health? And you're wanting to combine that with a, uh, and another activity to continue to to get stronger and better? Are you including strength training to improve another sport? And that's part of your programming. And we're looking at specifically what do you need and why and what what role does that play? Or are you wanting to be a competitive athlete in the strength world? And so right. I think these this language is really important for people to understand up front mm-hmm. because Maybe if you come from an endurance world, you're not even familiar with what does the strength world, strength worlds, that sport arena look like, you know, are you a bodybuilder? Are you a power lifter? Are you a strong man? Are you a CrossFit athlete? Those all look very differently. Just like a strength athlete world might not necessarily understand what a what the, our world looks like as far as, are you an Ironman athlete? Are you a short course triathlete? Are you a bike racer? Are you a mountain bike racer? Are you, you know, a triathlete long course racer? Do you do Ironmans? Do you do Ultraman? You know, these types of things. Are you a runner? You know, are you purely a swimmer? So all of those things they're they're different and and I know that's a really long winded question that started with it depends you can mm-hmm. understand like it yeah. depends is like a load it's loaded right it's right loaded. and so the first question you have to say is like what is it you're trying to do yeah you know what what are, what are your goals are what are really are you you know you really need to sit down with each person whether they're looking to better their life and their activities or their sport or whatever it is. And it really starts with that person. Mm -hmm. And it starts with the first question is going to be, what do you want to do? And then the next question is going to be, what have you been doing and where do you come from? Mm. Okay.
0: So I definitely want to like unpack some of those, like some of the different categories of what you're trying to do or who like goals of people who might be listening right now, but you said earlier, um strength training means different things so can you just give us a little rundown of like what does what does strength training mean when we talk about strength training what are we talking about
1: Yeah. So for example, if you're, if you're a triathlete and you want to incorporate strength training, one athlete might only need very sport specific strength training. And that might mean that they're doing big gear reps or hill reps on the bike. They're using paddles or buckets in the pool. They're maybe using bungee cords, those kinds of things they're doing, Um, on the run, they're doing a lot of hill work, maybe some hill bounding, things like that. And so now that is all considered strength training. And it's very specific to their sport, if they're looking for performance in that in that area. And that could be what that specific athlete needs, and they don't need to do any more than that. So when someone says strength training, they might automatically think that, you know, they see like, the big, the big, you know, 300 pound person who is all solid muscle and they're lifting massive weights. Well, that's not necessarily what we need to envision. When we say strength training, we could say, well, for this athlete, it might mean just all they really need is sport specific strength training.
0: Right. And who, who is that athlete? Like, what do they look like? What is their background?
1: That's a really great question, Sarah. And I can use, I actually have a, uh, someone, very specifically in mind as an athlete that I've developed from scratch. I actually scouted her from a gym who was a she was doing crossFit and Olympic lifting mm-hmm. and she when you when you look at a person and you say like this person would be a great triathlete and and you know that looking at them and watching them. And so this person she was she was um, you know, she was strong, she was very strong for an endurance athlete but was never going to be very strong for a, a a weightlifter or a power. So in, in a comp, when we're looking at a performance and competition end of things, so Mm -hmm. she was very strong. She didn't, she had very long femur. She had very small feet. She, her um, ability to move quickly, like you talked about earlier, quickly under the bar, she wasn't real snappy and fast, but she was very consistent. So she was strong, but she, the way she was built and, um, very stiff through her hips, very stiff through her ankles. So that is limiting as when you're looking at being a competitive weightlifter as well, but very good for running. Uh, long femurs are great for cycling. So there's all of these things. And she was, she was strong and she was steady and she was consistent, but she never, her body shape was more, um, in line with what would be successful as a trap. Triath- mm. And not so much what would be in line with the with and even the way she moved with a competitive Olympic lifter. Now, she did just fine. She wasn't you know, she was good, but she wasn't going to be as great as she wanted to be. So I shifted her towards endurance sports and she's absolutely amazing at endurance sports. She's just great at it. Right. Uh, so, so those,
0: yeah, I don't know if I'm answering your question. But yeah. I could just come back. Cause I like totally cut you off answering the first question, <laughs> so, but I'm, I'm holding the pieces in my mind, the tangents. Um, and in addition to that, like, as you're saying, like you said, this is someone who, you know, probably just needs big gear work on the bike and running up hills and paddle work, that kind of stuff exactly. She also had a strength background, right? Like also came from CrossFit and lifting.
1: Exactly. So she, you know, when I do her programming, we don't need to do any kind of gym work at all. We, mm-hmm. we just stick to sports specific strength. And she has that natural from an endurance side of thing, ability to be strong and do just sports specific strength work. And that's plenty for her. And mm-hmm. we're better off to spend our time swimming and biking and running. And we do this is a whole nother side of it in at certain points. And this has been seven years. So it's not like a long, you know, this hasn't been a short time. This has been a long progression and development. And so for her, that's when she, when we need her to get stronger, that's what we focus on. We're not necessarily going to go in the gym as she, this is where it changes as well. As she gets deeper into her triathlon career and she's mm-hmm. getting closer to 40 and she's done a number of very long events now, Ironman's, longer than Ironman type events, yeah. you do need to start doing some injury prevention work, which again, looks different than ne- not necessarily a strength training program. To me, those are different from one another in terms of what exercises you do. These are the things that are really important. Uh, another thing for people to understand. So whether it's sport specific or it's within prehab rehab or whether it's strength training in the gym, those all look different. But the important pieces of those and what might look different is sets, reps, and total weight. So endurance athletes, they're really familiar with like TSS and their files and monitoring all that, Mm -hmm. but they throw in random gym workouts and they don't know how to account for the total. Let's use a term that we're more familiar with, total stress score. They're not really realizing what impact, not only what exercises you do, so what you're doing is really important. The number of reps you're doing is important. The number of sets you're doing is important. And the total weight you use is important. Mm-hmm. So for an athlete like her, who just does sport specific strength and injury prevention stuff, those programs look very different than another athlete where we actually need to go into the gym and make them physically stronger. Right. Right. And then
0: who is that athlete? <laughs> the one that we need to go into the gym and make them stronger.
1: Yeah. So if we're talking about, um, an endurance athlete that would like to improve, they really need to improve their strength, their total body strength, or you're just a, a a person who is like, I would like to get strong. So this is different than a competitive strength athlete, right? Mm -hmm. So, so this is just a person who needs to get stronger. Maybe they need to get stronger for, so if they're looking to get stronger for triathlon or an endurance event, that program for them is someone, maybe they are lacking a lot of pure power or just total body strength within their body, core strength, um, the ability to recruit muscle and force. Their push pull is not very strong. They're just they're someone who needs to build overall total body strength. Typically, these athletes, not necessarily all of them, but a lot of them, they are smaller. And maybe when they're, as they're doing endurance sports, they're getting smaller and smaller and their total body strength is just their total body size, mass, and ability to move force Mm -hmm. and even force quickly is diminishing based on the activities that they're doing, or just with age or within their life that that's, we need to build that up a little bit more. Yeah.
0: I was going to say, is they're aging too? I mean, that was me, right? I was that athlete that like, when I, when I, um, retired from triathlon, I like went down a size, <laughs> just like shrunk. You know what I mean? Like I had to do, I had to go, okay, I have to do something strength related here or like I'm going to shrink into nothingness. Right. Um yeah. so I think like do you find that that's pretty common with endurance? You see athletes? that a lot. So, so a lot
1: of athletes that are really successful in endurance sports and they're drawn to endurance sport and they're successful in and and is we're based and I can pull this from horses, right? When I when we I would look for a competition horse, you okay. go maybe you're going looking for a specific show jumping horses, you're looking at things like this. sounds you know, take it for what it is as terms of people versus animals. Yeah. Right? You're looking at to- you're looking at their confirmation of what they're suited to do. A racehorse is going to be a specific type of, you know, breed and build and have a certain ability and a way about them that they're successful at that. So, an endurance athlete, if we take sort of our emotions out of it, we say, like I was describing the one athlete, she had long femurs, small feet, you know, mm-hmm. she did the way she moved, those kinds of things. You're looking at real, just specific things about an athlete. Most endurance athletes are smaller, they're leaner, they're lighter. It allows them to be very successful at endurance sports. They burn fat for fuel for a long time. Um, these are all really good things in their physiology that allows them to be successful endurance athletes and and they like it. You know, they, people, they are drawn to endurance sport. Usually people are drawn to either what's a challenge for them or what they like to do. So, um, that, that type of athlete, as they're in the sport One, in terms of performance, they probably need some kind of strength training at some point, depending on their age and where they're at in their career to continue to be successful. But Mm -hmm. also as the athletes in the sport longer and they put more miles in them, endurance sports generally make people smaller and break them down. So then, Mm -hmm. and and the older they get. So let's say we start to get into our forties and fifties and sixties. And even beyond that, I have lots of athletes and you know, even in their 70s and they're still absolutely kicking ass and doing awesome. But those athletes we definitely look have to look at and say, like, even for their own personal life, their day-to-day mm-hmm. life, mm-hmm. we need to incorporate some kind of strength training and make them stronger, which is gonna look different than doing sport-specific strength. And and you know, one of the things that's really different about those two spectrums that we're talking about here is that the one, the first example I gave, she had the ability to to recruit and push pull very strong, just naturally, right? Maybe not a level of a competitive strength athlete, but for an endurance athlete, really, really well. Whereas let's say you're, for example, an over 50 year old athlete who's been doing um, endurance sport for a long time, or maybe you're naturally built more towards endurance and you lack that overall body strength, then, you know, that athlete is, it, it, they're they're gonna they're gonna need to learn how to if we just did sport specific strength they don't actually even have the ability to recruit enough force right -hmm. Right? they don't they have to learn that or they not even learn they have to develop it in the gym they don't have that they're not able to recruit they uh, so that is something that that athlete this one has it naturally or it's been developed on the front end already and this one doesn't and so we have to actually develop that
0: right and so if we have listeners who are you know triathletes endurance or ultra running for example or cyclists i know there's a lot of folks like that who who do those sports who listen to the podcast like what does the program look like for them in terms of training and timing like i want to talk about those two things so if they're adding strength training to their program yeah what does that programming look like how do you decide what to do in the gym
1: Yeah, that's, that's another really great question. So if you're the other things to understand is there is so we talked about sets, reps and exercises, and then total weight moves. So those are very important things to make sure if you're building a a strength training program, and then is it specific to your sport and your goals. And then there are you want to think about things as if they are open chain or closed chain. And how does that in relationship to the sport that you do, are you looking to develop speed, power, or strength? And so that might change within your programming. And like any programming, it should be progressive and, and, you know, be specific to what you need. And so let's say you're a, um, if you're a runner, a runner is eccentric load and essentially more open chain than cycling, right? So if you look at cycling in terms of the, of what we're talking about there, that's going to be you know you're you're clipped in and it's not eccentric load at all. Um, Olympic lifting that's an open chain exercise. It's power, it's speed, and it's strength powerlifting your feet are firmly planted on the ground it's closed chain exercise and it's all just pure strength okay so those are really different from one another and you can get really we could you you can dive in and and go through there's a lot of different exercises so understanding not only total load sets reps and exercises but you need to understand are you doing exercises that are specific to your goals and your sport mm-hmm. the open chain and closed chain and your needs of what you're trying to Trying to train, so like say a cyclist who needs a who's maybe a track athlete, and that's even you know we get even more complicated. They bring plyometrics into it, right? Mm -hmm. So they're, let's say they're um, a track racer, or you want to be a crit rider or a cyclocross racer on the bike, and you're looking to sprint, or you're just looking for overall speed and power development. But your your sport itself is more. Like with cycling, we can call it, let's just for lack of better terms, call it more closed chain. You could look, your program might be designed around more, you might have a couple base strength movements, but it might be much more developed around speed and power. So Mm -hmm. biometric type stuff, some hang cleans. That's what you see. Like soccer players programs will be very closely related to that step ups with hops and weights, box jumps, um, you know, a lot more explosive speed type stuff. And with that stuff, you don't, need a million reps. In fact, you don't want a million reps, right? You, would, you wouldn't you would do that many. So you would maybe pick four or five exercises, which would be a lot. Uh, and you might do the sets and reps and the amount of weight is going to be very specific. And it's actually really not that much. It's focused on power and speed. Now, if you're looking to be just strong, you got to straight up build some force and some brute overall body strength.
0: Mm-hmm. There's
1: going to be phases to that. You might go through your base phase where it's a lot of sets and reps and the weight is fairly light. And light is relative to a person's base strength. Where are they starting? And then it's going to progress through an entire program, like any training program, where sets and reps decrease and the weight increases all the way down into their final week. They might be doing something like five sets of three at a 90% of what they can do. And obviously, if their base weight is starting really low, then it's load by feel on the athlete and coach to say, like, this is heavy this is a heavy enough to do three, really five sets of three really good reps. And those, the two first, the first couple might be warmups. And then those last two reps and sets are what they call the working sets. And those are pretty heavy for the person, but they can complete them. And that's going to build a lot of strength, pure strength. And those are going to be more closed chains exercises dependent on the athlete's experience level and what they're able to do. Would you do deadlifts with a very experienced athlete who has good form and technique and coaching in person, you might be able to do that. Someone who's medium experienced, and maybe they're not being supervised, you might use a trap bar much safer for them. They're still going to be able to recruit the same muscles and same force and build the same heavy weight for strength. And someone who's a lot less experienced, you might even go all the way to like a hack squat machine or leg press so that you're keeping your athletes safe. And they're, able to recruit enough weight and force to actually build strength once we get down into those heavy, you know, five by fives, five by threes, those kinds of things, but they're not, you're not putting that risk. So again, depending on the athlete and even the environment, a a in-person coached athlete with the coach right there and a lot of gym experience, then that's going to be a different programming than someone that is completely on their own. And they have never even been into a gym. Right. Yeah. So like this winter, I actually had a group of professional female cyclists that came to me and we lifted all winter. And mm-hmm. one of them, she was naturally quite strong and she had never, she was just terrified of the gym. She just, but she wanted to learn it and she wanted to go there. And, and so I, I just told her what, I just put the weights on her bar. I just told her what to do. And she was very coachable and put the weight on. And we, we worked through those phases and those sets and reps. And she didn't, I would tell her afterwards what she lifted. She'd be like, how much was that? Like it was 175 pounds. She'd be like, oh, (laughs) that's (laughs) cool. So um, I I know I'm not giving too many deep details here because it's such a big topic, but hopefully enough broad range that people can take some things from that. Obviously I'm open to, you know, diving into it deeper with, uh, you know, if people ever wanted to contact me or ask questions. Yeah, yeah, Yeah. for
0: sure. I had a couple follow-up questions there. Like one- (laughs) You mentioned like building to like a max strength kind of program, like the five times three reps um, type of thing. Um, How, if, if someone's like listening and they've, you know, they identify themselves as like, oh yeah, I've been doing ultra running for 10 years. I'm getting older. I'm in my forties and maybe that's something I should do. Do you, um, do you find that you um, basically use that type of program with a lot of endurance athletes where like they build to almost a, a max strength program? very few actually.
1: Oh, interesting. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. They need to have a lot of experience to get to that point, but very, the most common, if someone is say an ultra runner, I'm going to gear most of their strength training program around some, some, uh, some core work, some single leg stuff with, it might be something like two by 15, two by 12, that kind of thing, just that call that like the supplementary work. And then we'll pick ma- two main lifts, a push and a pull. And mm-hmm. it's going to be, we'll probably work up to what feels heavy enough that they're learning to recruit, but it might land in that, you know, three by eight, three by 10 somewhere in there. And we might get down to something like a a five by six at a pretty, you know, a, a working weight, but not extremely heavy. And once they go, th- they get to a point where we're doing that and we're working through that program really successfully within also balanced well within their training program of everything else that they're doing. And there might be another day that is a sport specific strength day and, and maybe mm, right. a, a prehab rehab type day, which is, you know, those are generally uh, body weight and more physical therapy type exercises, those kinds of things. There's not, a, so that would be their, their whole program over we would repeat that and it might the exercises and um weight will change, let's say over like an eight or 12 week plan. And mm-hmm. then from there, then they're likely going to be headed towards their season and then we'll change it again into and reassess where they are that kind of thing. So mm-hmm. the one where we start with like a base building phase of well, let's, for example, four by 10 or five by 10 work down, you know, build decrease weight or sorry, decrease reps and set and increase weight all the way down to that max lift. That is very, very few athletes that I'll run through that. Their experience level needs to be very high. And we're also going to want to, you know, know that they really need that kind of strength. Hmm. The, The problem comes from if someone has little experience in the gym and they're overall, not very strong, the benefits of them doing sort of the other program that I was talking about, the middle program versus the really heavy one, they're not going to get to a weight that's so heavy for them without the experience that it actually is more beneficial than just doing the medium one. So for example, like someone, you know, let's say we have a 160 pound male athlete that has a lot of experience and I might put them through that you know, heavy program, let's say at the end, they're doing squats at, you know, 175, 180 pounds. Okay. So that's, that's pretty heavy. Right. And so would that, that has, that takes a toll and that has a lot of load to it. And so the rest of their program, we have to weigh up. Is that going to how much more is that going to benefit them? Now, the answer might be yes for like a handful of athletes. Like that is really important and there's going to be a huge benefit for that athlete to do that program. And it's going to transfer into over what their overall goals are. But most people are going to fall in. Let's do like an eight to 12 week program of some supplementary exercises, two or three core lifts of, of that are around their experience level that they're going to be able to build some strength and then we'll reassess where they are. And again, like on the other extreme, are they someone who needs an actual like speed, power and plyometric program? That's a completely different type okay. of uh, d- strength training for a specific sport, soccer player, runner, maybe an 800 meter runner uh, might need that or 1500, 1500 meter runner or less, you know, that kind of thing. Throwers is going to be different, um, those Yeah, so the different sports, volleyball players, you see a lot of volleyball players doing, you know, part of their programming is hang cleans, that kind of stuff, because it's real explosive. They need that speed and that explosive power.
0: Building muscle can be tough and gains can be so slow, even for those of us who do a lot of strength training. As an ex-endurance athlete who is now in perimenopause, I know this all too well. It can be frustrating to put in the time in the gym and not see the results I'm looking for. That's why it's super important to take the right supplements at the right time. One of those supplements is essential amino acids, which are needed to trigger muscle protein synthesis. Muscle protein synthesis happens when you eat high quality protein like eggs or whey. And by supplementing with additional essential amino acids, you can make sure you are getting the full benefit of your training sessions. Targeted essential amino acid formulas can be up to four times more effective than just eating protein. I've personally been running in the Alma Cruz, and I love them. It's the shoe I always wanted and never knew I needed. The fit is perfect in every way. You can get your own pair of headers at hedas.com and use the code feisty20 for 20% off. That's feisty20 at hedas.com and it will all be in the show notes. They stay in place when you are moving. The hydrophilic rubber nose pads actually get more grippy, the more you sweat. So they are secure and don't slide down your face. Even when you're running in hot conditions, no matter what sport you do, Tofosi has shades for you, whether you love tennis, fishing, pickleball, running, cycling, or just hanging out on the beach. They are super reasonably priced, which I love, so I can have multiple pairs that go with any outfit. And of course, feisty listeners get a special discount. So head on over to TafosiOptics.com and use the code FM20, FM as in feisty media, to get 20% off your order. That's FM20 at TafosiOptics.com. I'll put a link in the show notes to make it easy for you. Um, okay, you said a couple things there. I want to make sure that we that everybody understands. So, um, closed chain versus open chain, what exactly are those two things?
1: Yeah, so exact definition I probably should have written them down, but let's just make it real simple is that closed, we'll, we'll just use the one closed chain is your feet are firmly planted on the ground. So, like, even in an Olympic lift, your feet leave the ground, it's jump, right? You're mm-hmm. so you know, those kinds of exercises. Now we can, after the podcast, if you want to post it in the show notes, we can find the exact two definitions of them for people and go through the number of it. So like something like a leg extension on a leg extension machine is going to be considered open chain. So that's, that's where it starts to get a little bit cloudy and confusing. Mm-hmm. So if you wanted to dive into the show notes of like, these are, these are an example of 20 different exercises of each and the actual definitions, but to make it real simple for people, if you're doing closed chain, both your feet are firmly planted on the ground, squats, feet are on the ground, bench press, deadlift, bench press. Um, Yeah. Anything where your feet are, you're firmly planted on the ground, there is no explosive
0: jumping. You can Mm -hmm. count on that being closed chain. Right. Okay. That makes, that makes total sense. And then you said push and pull too, like someone might have two, like what, what, what are the variations of push and pull?
1: Yeah. So that's, you know, some people say, oh, that's so old school. There's so much more progressive stuff out there. Yes, there always is. Absolutely. And I'm aware of all of it. And we can, like I say, the strength, strength training world, there is so much out there. It's kind of like nutrition, right? There's a lot of information out there. And, but the primary tests of strength are going to be push, pull, and carry. They always almost come back to that for most tests of strength. Huh. So push is anything where you're is exactly that you're pushing. So squats are pushes, leg presses are pushes, bench presses are pushes. So depending on the athlete, if someone doesn't have the strength or ability to do bench press, we might do chest press in a machine. Right. And we might even supplementary exercise do chest inclined chest press with dumbbells, and then might all the way to, you know, being able to bench press those kinds of things, push-ups. you know, those are all push. So anything that is, um, yeah, exactly that it's a pushing, pushing force. Um, Pulling is gonna be deadlifting is considered pulling, seated rows, lat pull downs, most of your posterior chain type work, those are all pulling exercises. So that is all, yeah. So that's a deadlift is pulling. Um any of those, uh, if you're doing uh pull-ups, those is gonna be pulling. So anything like that, that's a pulling motion. Mm-hmm.
0: Um, and then sort of my, yeah, I mean, when I was going to say my last question, but then I was like, this is not totally not going to be my last question. (laughs) Who am I kidding? Um, (laughs) So, (laughs) you know, we have a lot of people in our community have been told, like, um, like as we get older, we need to like, quote unquote, lift heavy shit. I know you and I have talked about this before. There are like, um reasons as we age with menopause where like lifting not necessarily lifting heavy shit like I don't think, think that's really what we mean but lifting heavy for you yeah. <laughs> can be helpful like as we age how would you if someone like let's say someone's been active their whole life you know and maybe they they still do they still like go to the gym and work out or they do um kind of what we would what to us might be like just like endurance training that fits into their life like maybe they're doing eight or ten hours of training for an olympic or a sprint distance triathlon um how would you progress them like what would you tell them to to go into the gym if they're going to the gym for not maybe probably not the first time because everyone's been to a gym more or less but like if they were going to start a program what would you how would you start that person
1: Yeah. It's, you know, number one, people, the most common thing that I hear from people starting out and even very experienced athletes, I'm talking about even professional athletes who have come to me. First thing they say to me is they're scared of the gym. Yeah, It's going to be an intimidating place. And so number one thing to say, don't be scared of it.
0: Everybody Mm -hmm. there is just
1: there to just work out. Mm -hmm. And you know, just like anything that you take up that is new, it can be intimidating to start, but there's a rhyme and a reason and a rhythm and etiquette and rules and gyms just like there is on the road on your bike or in the pool when you first go to a swim workout or you know, the first time you go play bingo, there's going to be etiquette to how this all plays out, right? So,
0: especially with bingo. <laughs>
1: especially bingo, You got to right. have all your gnomes right. I mean, so, you're,
0: People are intimidated by the gym, but oh man, bingo, man, right? Yeah.
1: So so don't, first thing I'd say is definitely don't be afraid of the gym. Mm-hmm. I, I've had people say that that's what holds them back is that they're afraid to go, or they just don't understand it. Like anything, approach it with, there's going to be an etiquette here. There's going to be a learning curve and everybody's there just to work out. In the first two, you go, it's just, you know, fumble through it. And, and you'll, you know, you'll figure out what all that is, or hire someone to teach you and walk you through it. If it's not mm-hmm. something that you want to do on your own,
0: there's mm-hmm. all
1: kinds of people that will be happy to help you. So first, don't be afraid. Okay. Then the next thing that we're going to do is we're going to go in there and we're going to keep it really simple. Most people overcomplicate it by trying to be there too long. Yeah, They're going to do too many exercises. Uh, and so my advice would be, you know, I'm always my advice is going to be if you're starting something new that you're unsure of, is talk to someone or hire someone that can help you for at least a little while. But if you're wanting to just figure it out on your own, pick four to six exercises. And if you're going to keep it really simple, right? You're going to go, you're going to maybe you're going to look online and you're gonna say, I'm going to get fit this next six months and I want to start by going to the gym, and starting some strength. Pick four to six exercises. And it shouldn't take you any more between somewhere between 30 and 60 minutes. Doesn't need to, especially any kind of gym program. It shouldn't take you more longer than that. 60 minutes of lifting weights is a, 60 real, minutes is a no, really yeah. long time. Yeah. You'd be surprised. Most of it is 30 minutes, four to six exercises somewhere between eight and 15 reps, um, somewhere between two start out with one set up to three to four sets of that go in there, do that, repeat that maybe, you know, once every 72 hours and do that for three weeks and then assess where you're at. So that would be a really, really good base start. I would say whatever you pick to do, start them with either body weight or extremely lightweight. If you finish and you think that was pretty easy, I could finish all sets and reps very well and in good form and good technique. Mm -hmm. I wasn't struggling to hold the this is a whole nother thing we didn't talk about, which yet is um, the speed of the lift. So whether you're doing it on a one-to-one tempo, two-to-one tempo, those are very advanced terms. Mm-hmm. But let's say you're just able to hold good form and good technique and the rate that you go at is it's not, you know, lightning fast or anything like that. It's just a nice controlled movement and your your movement is smooth from start to finish. And if you can do that, for, you know, number of weeks, then, then you've, you've started a pretty good program.
0: Yeah, perfect. You, you set this up because like, so as you know, we, we were talking about, and I promise everyone, we did not talk about this before, but like, you know, Marilyn, we um created the strong course, right? Yeah. And like, it was, it's sort of exactly for those people that you were just talking about like even me as an elite athlete like I went to the I went to the gym a lot like I was comfortable around a dumbbell but not a barbell for yeah. example right and I can remember even being like even when I was in my 20s and I first started elite sport um, someone telling me oh an elite athlete should only do like body weight dumbbell barbell stuff where I was using a lot of like nautilus machines and stuff like that still but I was like scared to go into the room with the barbells <laughs> the big the big men yeah yeah, yeah. like I think a lot of us feel like even I was an elite athlete like I was funded in a a federation program and I was still scared of a barbell right so I think like essentially the course is like for those people to go okay here is like there's six modules before you even get to the training program there's the training program is only like this um People can't see me, but it's like a tiny bit <laughs> of the course. Yeah. The rest of it's like, let's talk about what all of this means. Like, let's talk about how we support ourselves as nutrition, like why we're actually a bit intimidated for the gym and the ways that it's not made for us or the ways that are the reasons we shouldn't be intimidated. Um, and then we go through all the movements and the, the program itself talks about, um, so we start with like body weight stuff, for, you can start where you, wherever you want to start, but body weight for four weeks. Uh, dumbbell for four weeks and then like we get to the barbell movements and the simple barbell movements we're not teaching anyone to snatch in there you know um but uh yeah I think that it's just like we were like that was essentially the problem we were trying to solve is like how do you get people who are like And actually potentially can't even necessarily afford or commit to, like, I am going to hire someone to literally show me all around these things. It's like, let's bridge the gap for people and give them, like, what they need to know. So they're empowered to, like, actually go into the gym and get what they need out of that experience. Um, So it's, like, it's interesting for me to hear you say kind of exactly that same thing. It's like, oh, man.
1: And the other part of that, too, Sarah, is that, you know... I don't think that there's anything wrong with. In fact, I think it's an important part of coaches understanding this. Not all athletes have the technical skill, mo- you know, mobility, range of motion or maybe they're dealing with if we're dealing with new people, maybe they have some some sort of um, you know, something from their injury perspective or something with the way that they move, that there's going to be movements that they can't do. And so do you just say, well, no, then I just don't do that. Or I don't do gym work. No. Now our job is to say, well, what can you do that strengthens that exact same thing that we're looking for, but it works around that. So for example, I I made a list. I said, someone might do bench press. However, not everybody's going to be ready to do bench press with a barbell. So So we might start with a nautilus machine that is and that might be not even just start that might be what we use we're we're developing the exact same thing you want to build you know a push strength be able to set your back tighten your core push using your whole core and your body and a good push from your arms you can do that on a chest press machine someone might not even have access to barbells or dumbbells they're like i don't Mm -hmm. even have that so you know could someone have two milk jugs that they use at home and they lo- lay on the floor and they le- really learn how to understand what it means to tighten their core, activate their back and then press from their arms forward in a good motion and be able mm-hmm. to, to have that kind of strength. So there's, I think it's our job as educators and coaches to think outside the box for anybody and work with one with what they have. They might eventually work up to someone who's you know, when I was doing powerlifting, I, I bench pressed 155 pounds in competition. That was, you know, I, I went from just someone who worked out in the gym and my whole life to a competition level and was able to bench press pretty well at, you know, I was a, a 131 pounds. I could bench 155. So that's more than my body weight. And And so you can progress now for someone else, is their, their starting point and their ending point with a machine that is comfortable for them in their range of motion and their skill level and what they're able to handle. And we just change the reps. Again, we go back to what's the important parts, the reps, the sets and the total weight. So if that is what they're able to use and do and what they have access to, or what they're comfortable with, or what their body can handle, there's nothing wrong with that, we can develop the same strength. Now it's a coach's job to change the programming to make sure they keep progressing. I do want to talk a bit about like RPE as well. Do you use that? Yeah, there's a whole thing. Um, I was involved with a group with iron athlete for a number of years and they did a really nice write up on load by feel method. And I could ask them certainly if that's something they would be willing to, to share, but that is, you know, load by feel. And you, you said a really important thing, not that long ago, you said strong and heavy is relative to the person. Mm. So I just, I've, you know, I've, I've trained with people who in the strength world are strongman guys, and they compete at a world championship level, winning world championships at powerlifting meets, and they're deadlifting, you know, 800 pounds. That's, right. that's, I mean, it's insane it's to watch. insane. These yeah. are like 300 pounds, and they're lifting ridiculous weight. I mean, right. watching them train is something else. That's a whole other side conversation, but that's heavy for them. Mm-hmm. I mean, <laughs> it's
0: all relative,
1: right? But, uh, and for me, you know, for someone else, uh, I now I'll go back to the cycling group that I was talking about this winter. Hmm. There was a group of us; we were all deadlifting together, and for one of the females. Heavy for her. When we got to the heavy sets, she'd been a lifter her whole life. Her parents were bodybuilders. She's been lifting since she was a kid. Mm-hmm. She was a athlete for a long time. She was a D one college swimmer. Then mm-hmm. she's taken to cycling. She's a very talented cyclist. She's a, her, she, her build is very strong. She loves the gym. She's technically very good and heavy for her. She got up to 275 pounds. hmm you know, then another athlete that was there, she had never lifted. She was uh, a professional level cyclist and heavy for her was 125 pounds. Wow. That's a widespread. Yeah. Heavy for me, I was lifting with them as well. And I got a heavy for me, I got back up to 200 pounds. So it's like we all had, we were all lifting heavy for us load by yeah. feel heavy for someone else might be the barbell and, you know, five pound weights on each side you know, the setup's a little bit different um, as far as pulling from the ground and, and technic- technique wise. So if you're using a barbell, it's important to understand technique and where you start your pull from and, and the weights and those kinds of things. In that case, you might be better off to do something, something else, but um, you know, heavy is relative so to answer your question. It goes back to exactly what you said. Heavy is relative to the person, their background and not everyone is coming in with a max rep knowledge, right? You don't have a one rep or max. even ability to be honest. Do that. Yeah. A coaches, if you're coaching, you're not going to go to someone who's never been in the gym and say, let's do a one rep max and build your program. That, that would be super dangerous and reckless of you as a coach to do that. You're going to hurt yeah. somebody doing that. Don't do yeah, that. 100%. So, yeah. So if you say to that person, like we're going to do, you know what feels heavy for you and what feels heavy means that you can continue you can stay in good form and you can complete the exercise in good form in good tempo from start to finish and let's mm-hmm. call it the one, to one tempo so it's exactly the same as you move through the whole lift the same speed in good form with the correct movement, depth, those kinds of things. And if you can do that, then that's heavy for you. And we want to be able to wake up the next day and, and be able to move and do it again, 72 hours later. Again, that's another conversation as far as placement and programming and stuff, but for the average person, right. if are doing it every 48 to 72 hours, they need to be able to, you know, recover and be able to do it again. So if you live so heavy that you're crippled, you probably need to back it off a little bit. Yeah. Build totally. strength from there. Build
0: from there. <laughs> yeah. And you totally set up what I think is probably my actual last question is, <laughs> is, about, is about timing with fitting strength training into our programs. So I think sometimes we, you know, we're going to release, this, it'll be October when we release this episode. Um, we'll have people listening who are like heading into their off season. They're like, oh, I want to put some strength training in. They're like, when do they do that?
1: Yeah. So the, one of the most frustrating things I see as a coach and been doing this so long is that exact thing, people say, I want to do some strength training and they start going to the gym every day and they approach their strength training. Like they do their endurance training, or they think, you know, they just now, again, we need to know the person's goals, what they're trying to do. So if you come to me and you say, I want to be a bodybuilder, And my, and my goal is in six months, I want to do a bodybuilding show. Yes, you are going to be going to the gym every day and we're going to work different body groups and you're going to do maybe shoulders one day, back one day, legs one day. So then yes, we can do some kind of strength training every day with a very specific goal in mind. Most, if you're a power lifter or you're a strength athlete, those athletes typically train three to four days a week at the most five. Again, the programming is extremely specific and different. If you're an endurance athlete, again, depending on what your needs are and your goals are, if it's more core conditioning, prehab, rehab type stuff, you can do that three days a week along with your sport-specific strength placed very mindfully in relationship to those sports specific strength sessions. And that, that will be plenty of work and well-balanced and, and, you know, if we needed to really visually show someone what that kind of program would look like, we could do that at some point as well. If you're building pure strength, if we're getting in diving into some of these really big meaty strength programs, Mm -hmm. I recommend twice a week. Mm -hmm. And they need to be no more than 72 hours like they need to at least be 72 hours apart mm-hmm. from one another, if not more, mm-hmm. right? And in relationship to the other workouts is extremely important. Mm-hmm. We need to account for, are you also doing sport specific strength? So we wouldn't do a heavy lifting session on Monday and then go and do Hill's on Tuesday, and then Mm -hmm. lift again on Wednesday, and then do big gear work on Thursday, and then lift again on Friday, and then go ride hills on Saturday, and then run trails on Sunday, you've done strength every single day, I guarantee you, you're gonna do that for about four weeks, and you're gonna be broken, right, you know, they're tapped out on your strength, or you're going to be injured. So that piece of it is very important, the relation and that's why also, for the people listening, it doesn't work to just bring a random strength coach into your triathlon or endurance training program and just throw them in there without any communication between the two or understanding how those two programs are supposed to mesh together. So either have a have your triathlon coach understand how to program strength training properly for you, your goals, your body type, what you need in relationship to your actual total programming. Or if you, they don't have that knowledge and you're looking at hiring a specific strength coach, make sure that those two talk to one another and they understand what the goal is. Is the goal to make you a better endurance athlete? Is it to make you stronger? Is it to, like, what are your goals? Why are you lifting in the first place? And then it needs to balance well and work well within your other programming so that one, you achieve the goal and two, that you don't get hurt because you can, you can hurt yourself for sure.
0: Well, and one thing that makes me laugh now is like from when I was, way back in the day <laughs> you'll remember you were you you were around when I was doing I was training for Ironman like at an elite level and I had coaches um throw in like the strength training session into like a rest day almost or like you'd have like a yeah I know I can see you shaking your head I like this makes me cringe thinking about it where we do like um an easy swim and like the strength training session just boom like on a Monday or whatever and then just go back into like endurance training on uh, you know well, that that thing is
1: that's that's what we're talking about you really need to understand just like i mean it's so it's so natural for endurance athletes to understand most of us are pretty educated now on tss and the, the you know what what the impact is of let's say a vo2 session or a long run or you know some really hard
0: work um and tss with, just for just for people listening it's like a way to assess like the combined load of all your training right
1: exactly exactly yeah. And so just exactly what you're saying there, that's a very reckless way to go about things. There there needs to be, just like any programming, there needs to be an understanding of the impact that that has on the athlete, number one, and on the other training sessions. And what is it that you're trying to achieve? How does this athlete recover from their strength training? How does it actually affect them and impact them? Are, they, are you getting better from it? Because why are we doing it if we're not getting better or achieving the goal? And- in relationship to the other work for sure. I mean, and, and that can change again. That's why you wouldn't go in the gym and do, you know, the, the total, the total, it is that, that load, right. The total rep sets and total weight lifted. And, and when you log what you're doing, what weight you lift is important. So you can't just say, well, I'm going to do four sets of 10 and list the exercises. Well, did you use body weight? Did you use five pounds? Did you use 20 pounds? Did yeah. you use 80 pounds? I mean, did you use hundred pounds? Those are really different workouts, yeah. you know, stress on them. And what impact does that have on your cycling the next day? What does it do to your legs? What does it do to your recovery? Also lifting uh, affects the nervous system, right? Mm-hmm. In powerlifting and Olympic lifting, when, when those strength athletes start to talk about like overtraining, like we do in endurance world, we have certain views that give us feelings that we might be overtraining, they talk a lot about their nervous system. They're like, Mm -hmm. my nervous system is fried. And so now we need to have an understanding as well. If you're programming for an endurance athlete, and you're getting into some of the really technical programming, as far as strength training goes, you got to not only understand what it does to their, their muscles and their body and their hormones, but their nervous system too. Mm -hmm. And then how's that going to impact, you know, if you're, if you have someone do a really long, hard run, an 18 mile run on Sunday, and then expect them to be able to lift heavy weights mm-hmm. on Monday and mm-hmm. what that is doing to their overall total hormones and their nervous system and just their, you know, the breakdown of their muscles, you're going to wreck an athlete pretty quickly doing stuff like mm-hmm. that. So it's now, if they're just doing some clamshells and some planks, then that's probably okay. You know, you can, right. if you're doing some monster walks and clamshells and planks and, you know, just real basic type prehab rehab stuff that if that, then that's okay to do that following a, a, you know, an 18 mile run or something like that. So again, just the more we can educate people on the different impacts of stuff and what you're doing it and why, then I think Mm. we're going to per, we're going to see a lot better performances from it. And you're also going to see, you know, just a lot less injury and maybe a lot less fear too. Cause the more, you know, the more you're going to be likely to go in and give it a shot too.
0: Yeah. I um I was just thinking there about how much you know in that final couple years of my career like when you were helping me with my bike program and my um strength program what a difference it made like putting the timing of my strength work it a different time of the week. So I can remember going to the gym at like seven o'clock in the morning, doing my strength program and then having a three hour ride after that. Versus like again, I think I had come from just years and years of sticking to strength program, like just anywhere, just <laughs> you know, just randomly plunked in. Um yeah. and that just like yeah, I just like super appreciated thinking through that timing. Like this is a workout that's adding load and this is where we want the load and this is how the program's going to work. So so important. So important. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So what I'm hearing coming out of our conversation, one is like, just like, empowering people to be like, educated, just around, you know, and and if you have never been in the gym, just get started. Or if you've never lifted a barbell, like find someone who can teach you kind of thing. Um, and then Oh, now I forget the second thing. <laughs> I was like, I had it all tied up in my head. I was like, yes, now we're gonna Oh, yes, I that was the second thing was that like, actually, like, then once you feel Um, kind of confident around like what strength training even means, even after maybe listening to this podcast, then like, you know, find someone who knows how to help you fit it into your um, life and your training program. Marilyn and I got cut off the call just as we were uh, finishing up there, just as we were wrapping up. Um, So I did not get a chance to say this to her, um, except on text later, but I want to say it here for all of you. Thank you so much, Marilyn, for coming on the podcast and sharing your wisdom with us. I hope everyone learned something. I know I did. And I will be back with another episode of the Feisty Women's Performance Podcast next week. And use the code FEISTY for two months of full premium access. That's right, you get two months of premium for free. So you quite literally have nothing to lose. You literally have nothing to lose. As we head into summer, rest and recovery are critical for improving sports performance, reducing stress, and living a long and healthy life. We should all invest in better sleep. So think about the thing you lay your head on for eight hours a night. If it's not exactly right for you, it can lead to needless tossing and turning, or worse, have you waking up with an unrelenting kink in your neck. My new Lagoon pillow has helped me improve my sleep immensely by pairing me with the performance pillow that has everything I need. So I personally was matched with the Otter pillow, shout out to team Otter, which I love because it has a gentle cooling effect Pillow match and then use the code performance for 15% off your first purchase. That's code performance at lagoonsleep.com forward slash performance. Whole 15% off and the link is in the show notes. You can just click through there.